Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? What is up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Ethan from the Real Life English Podcast. And in this episode, Justin, Andrea, and I got elbow deep in politics. So, first off, we teach you some vocabulary that will be useful if you want to watch the debates or the news about the current elections in the USA. Then we got into how Trump won in 2016 and the role that Facebook, Instagram, and other social media play in elections in America, the UK, and virtually everywhere else in the world. We also talk about how governments interfere and influence people's votes in other countries, how important this is for overcoming corona, global warming, and other huge international issues, and finally, what you can do to be a part of the solution and not the problem. Now, this is a bit heavier than our regular podcasts, but you're going to learn a lot and have a lot of fun too. You will find the show notes with all of the vocabulary, expressions, and links discussed in this episode at reallifeglobal.com by clicking on podcasts. Now, let's get started with episode 204 of the Real Life English Podcast. Ah, yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and supersonic. Way to learn English. So, download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic, mowing the lawn, or even going for a hike. Oh, yeah. I'm joined here in the global studio, first off, by the man who found Obama's birth certificate, Justin Murray. <laughs> That's a very fitting, fitting one this time. Exactly. And of course, as always, by the lovely Andrea. I loved that introduction for Justin. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Hey, everyone. I was reminded of it because we recently did a lesson with, I believe it was on Jimmy Kimmel with Obama, and he talks a little bit about that. But anyways, if you hadn't figured it out yet, today we are going to be talking about politics, which while we are global citizens, you might not like our political opinions, whether or not we'll get into that too much. So if you are a big Trump supporter and you think you might be easily offended by some of the things that we're going to talk about, then this might not be the best episode for you. And we have tons of other ones that you can go and listen to. But if you don't mind that too much, then this is going to be a really great opportunity for you to bulk up on your political vocabulary and maybe to reflect a little bit on the current elections in the United States. So the first part of the podcast, actually, we're just going to cover a bunch of uh, political terms. So that might be a little bit less politically charged. And but before we jump into that, maybe this could be a little offensive, but what exactly is going on with Obama's birth certificate? That's right. So Obama's birth certificate, there is basically a big controversy that I believe the Republican Party, I don't, I don't know who exactly pointed the finger at him, but they were claiming that Obama was not an American citizen. And so they basically were demanding that he supply his birth certificate. Yeah. So his, I guess his dad i believe was kenyan and he provided that at the end of the day right he was born in hawaii exactly so he proved it so he was able to become president but i think another big thing about that was trump kind of grabbed onto that and this really helped his ratings grow 
before he became president. So he became the main nominee for the Republican Party when he started making this claim. So it was a really attractive viral conspiracy theory. What's a conspiracy theory? Andrew, what's that? So a conspiracy theory is like when people have a doubt over something, they don't believe in it and they try to say that it's something that's made up. So there was this conspiracy theory, people were kind of spreading these these lies or like these rumors about Obama not being a US citizen and lots of people kind of believe it. And I think that's why probably in the end, he actually even show, showed his birth certificate, didn't he? Which I think is crazy that he had to actually do that. But I guess, you know, people, the momentum happens. Lots of people kind of join this idea and they believe it. Yeah, we could certainly probably later in the podcast talk a little bit about immigration in the US in general and maybe the very different beliefs that there are there. But uh, before we get too ahead of ourselves... I think we owe a shout out to a very special real lifer out there. So Andrea, do you want to share this shout out from a fan in Mongolia? Sure. So this comes from Ranhu. I'm not sure if that's your name or kind of a username or anything. I hope I've pronounced it correctly. And it says, thank you a million times from Mongolia. Hi guys, your incredible hard work and valuable podcast completely has changed my English learning journey. I listen to your podcast every morning when I walk with my toddler. I'd say that you guys accomplished your main goal because you have changed the way of teaching English forever. This is definitely the best way of learning English ever. Thank you more than words can ever say. You rock. P.S. Keep it up. All I gotta say about that is, oh yeah, that's an amazing testimonial. It makes me so happy that, that we're impacting somebody like that. Sure is. It's really fantastic words from you, Uranhu. Uh, so what is a toddler? He says he walks with his toddler. Is that some sort of animal? <laughs> no, it's a child. That That is a good word to explain there. So a toddler is a child, not really a baby. It's usually a child maybe from the age of one to maybe three or four. A young child, you know, when they start to walk, we call them a toddler. I'm not sure the origin of the word. Do either of you know? I don't know that either. I don't know if it's kind of sounds almost like maybe how they speak, how they start to how they start to try speaking. Yeah, it makes me think maybe of them starting to walk as well. So a really young child. What's the difference between a toddler and an infant? An infant is kind of like a newborn, right? So it's probably before you're a toddler, you're an infant, like Maybe there's an actual like technical divide of these, but I would think kind of like Andrea said, a toddler might be when they start walking and talking and an infant is before that. It's kind of when they're still more in that phase of being completely helpless. That's interesting though, because in the primary education system in the UK, we have the, the when children are younger, we call it infants, like the infant school and then the junior school. So maybe it's something to do with that, but that's quite interesting too. We call it elementary school actually. And then kindergarten and preschool. Yeah, we have different names for, for the different educational periods. Exactly. And I think, Justin, you said, just to give a bit of connected speech before we move on, you said elementary. How would you say that, Andrea? Elementary. Yeah, so that's that NT, which in the US we say, we kind of drop the T. In the UK, you tend to pronounce it, right? Yeah, so the full form would be elementary, but we don't really pronounce mm -hmm. that schwa sound, the T, RE. We would connect it and say elementary. So whenever you have an NT sound, like internet, for example, and the, and the stress comes before the NT, then that in American English, the NT will get reduced. It could even be between two words. So like don't even can become 
don't even. Fundamental, elementary, and there are lots of words like that. Could do a whole podcast on that, but (laughs) I think that we're getting a little bit off topic. So uh, if you want us to shout you out like we have today for Iran Who, it's really simple. All you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review. And the other really great thing about this is that you're helping people from all around the world to discover our podcast and have a lot of fun learning with us. That said, before we get into the bulk of today's lesson, we're going to take a look at a really relevant quote. We talked about Obama already, and I believe the quote today comes from him, right? It is, and it's definitely relevant to today's podcast in every single way. So Obama says, there's not a liberal America and a conservative America. There's a United States of America. Uh, Yeah. So what does that mean, like a liberal America and a conservative America? What are we talking about with those two Americas? Well, the liberal is basically the left-wing side, the Democrats, and conservative is more like the Republican side. And... I think he's referring to the fact that the United States is becoming more and more polarized. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like two countries in some sense. This feeling that you have two different stories, fundamental different stories about the way things work, about reality, about conspiracy theories as well. <laughs> and he's coming back with this idea that like we're all one country. We're all one people in the United States. I think that's a really great idea too because like on a, on a global scale even, it's kind of like this sense that you can think of a global citizen doesn't just consider himself from like one country or one religion or, you know, one whatever, but rather is like, you know, a part of that bigger humanity and kind of comes back to this idea that we talk a lot about on this podcast, that no matter what divides us, that which unites us is far greater. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So it's like the United States without borders, right? The, the <laughs> states, whatever. But in a bigger sense, it's like we're all human. So we're beyond borders. That's what we should be shooting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, so I think that's a great place to springboard us into today's main topic. So today, being that right now we're in a very kind of hot time in the United States, hot in the sense that there's a lot of heat around the elections, around what's going to happen, around the two candidates, and as Justin was mentioning, like that it's a time when more probably than ever in the past, the country is extremely polarized and all of this happening in the middle of an epidemic. So uh, it's kind of crazy times. It's a crazy election period. We thought that it would be very appropriate in case you're wanting to maybe follow it at all to learn a little bit about some vocabulary related to politics, as well as maybe just a little bit about the American political system, which I think even for Andrea here, maybe she'll be learning some things. I definitely do think I will be learning some things because (laughs) our systems are quite different. So I'll be learning some vocabulary as well. And, you know, thinking about what the differences are in the UK. Maybe you can even kind of like compare some of these things to how they are in a parliamentary system, Mm -hmm. like in the UK, because I think maybe most people listening to this or a lot of people listening to this might live in countries where the system is quite similar to to the UK, if it's not similar to the US. Don't you guys have a monarchy? We do. (laughs) We do still have a monarchy. But I mean, obviously, it's not like hundreds of years ago where they kind of really were more involved in making the decisions. Now with anything that, any law that goes through parliament or any systems that are in place, they do have to get the queen's seal of approval, but you know, she doesn't determine whether or not that happens. She just signs it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Isn't, doesn't the queen control the English language? Like what about the queen's English and all that? (laughs) Yeah, I guess, you know, there is, uh, it's a really small percentage of people that actually speak the queen's English. There's a lot of like a modern version of it now, but um, 
in the UK, yeah, for sure, people associate the UK a lot with the Queen's English. Not to disrespect the Queen, but I've, I've kind of heard that that this is a situation where the Queen is kind of like a figurehead, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. What's a figurehead? So she's kind of just like she's the head of the country in a way because she's the Queen of England. However, she doesn't make the decision. So she's kind of there as a placeholder in a way, which sounds really bad to say just because of the the history of the country and the fact that we still have a monarchy. But all the decisions are made in Parliament. And in the UK, we don't have a president. We have a prime minister. All right. So that's probably similar to a lot of places. A lot of places in Europe actually have the same model as the UK. Like in Spain, also there's a king, but it's really just more of a a way to kind of preserve a part of the culture, right? Yeah, and I learned a lot more about this and how it all works when watching The Crown on Netflix. So if you are interested (laughs) in learning more about this, I highly recommend that show because it's not only a great series, it's really quite educational and historical as well. So you'll learn more about the Queen's role in the country, how she works with different prime ministers throughout her years um, as the head of the country as well. Yeah, that and, and why, I would watch that with along with Game of Thrones because that's another <laughs> thing that talks about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the role of the Queen. <laughs> that said, uh, to get back to topic, so talking about a little bit about some vocabulary that will help you with watching maybe some of the debates, with watching what's happening with the elections, or just with American politics in general. So first of all, we have right now two candidates who are running for president, right? Which it sounds like maybe they're in a marathon or something. They're running for president. So the, we have a two-party political system, as Ethan was saying, it's bipartisan. So what are the two different parties, as I mentioned earlier? The Democrats and the Republicans. Okay. And they actually have like their teams, right? And, and so you have the red <laughs> and the blue, right? <laughs> exactly. And you have the, it is a lot like a team because they also have mascots. They have like the donkey and the elephant. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. The Democrats are the asses, you know. <laughs> but anyway, the do you have like something similar to these two parties in the UK? We don't only have two parties, but there, there are two parties that always dominate. It's always going to be between Labour or the Conservatives. And Labour is the red party, Conservatives are blue. So we do kind of have that, that whole thing. But then there are other parties as well, because I think the whole system is different. We have members of Parliament and they win seats in the Parliament. When we have an election, we're basically voting in a member of Parliament for our constituency or our area area where we live and then those people will represent our area within parliament so you know you'll have a majority that are labor or conservative but then there will be other smaller parties that will have members of parliament there too mm-hmm. so interestingly there you said that the the liberal party is red and the conservative party is blue yeah is it the is opposite correct? yeah mm-hmm. it's the opposite, it is yeah, yeah. So the United States, like you have like the the states, they say like red states, blue states, because a lot of times the kind of political beliefs are often usually distributed according to like where the cities are. And like the heartland of the United States is where the farming land, Ethan, for example, he's from a conservative, the red state, the heartland. No, no, no. It's a swing state. (laughs) Oh, it's a swing state. What's a swing state? A swing state is a state, they're like really important for the election because some years they'll go one way and some years they'll go another way. So in Colorado, there's a lot of liberals, there's a lot of Republicans, depending where you go. If you're probably more east in the state, then you'll find more Republicans. If you go more towards the mountains in the west, you'll find more Democrats. But it's really important for for candidates 
because when they're when you're running for president, you're pretty much a shoe in in certain states. Like if you're a Democrat in Massachusetts, you're pretty sure you're going to win Massachusetts. Something would have to go really wrong. Or a Republican in Mississippi, it's like something would have to go really wrong for you not to win. But in states like Colorado, you really have to make sure that you are doing a really good job campaigning there because otherwise, you know, the other party might win that state. So you mentioned the word shoe. <laughs> what are you talking about? Shoes, Ethan? <laughs> A shoe-in. A shoe-in is like you're guaranteed to win something. Yeah, Ethan and I, we both went to school in Colorado, in Boulder, and Boulder is like this really liberal city <laughs> in the middle of a conservative state. So I think that probably swung the state, right? Yeah, I think like, and, and the capital as well, Denver is quite liberal. And where I'm from as well, my town, like pretty much anywhere you go in, in the mountains. So you'll kind of have that which swings the state in the, the other direction. So I'm just curious, you guys, we all live abroad, right? So have you guys been uh, doing the mail-in ballot since you moved abroad? Do you guys do that? Do you guys absentee vote? What's absentee? Actually, I don't even know. Was there a difference between absentee and, and mail-in ballot? Absentee means that you're out of the country, I believe. Mm -hmm. And mail-in just means that you're, instead of going in person to vote at the, you know, at the ballots and actually like putting your, your going into the booth, and writing your, your thing by hand and then like putting it into the ballot box, you're just sending it in by mail, which is a really big thing this year with the coronavirus. Yeah, this is super important right now. With your question, I, I am doing like mail-in voting. Okay, I'm not because my state is blue state. It's a <laughs> liberal state and, and it's going to, I'm pretty sure that there's no doubt it's going to go to Biden. So my vote probably won't make a difference. It's not the words of a very responsible person because I should <laughs> at least symbolically vote. At least if Trump wins Washington by one vote, you're going to feel pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the same. It's actually the process is fairly easy as well to do this, which is good because obviously if it's really difficult to absentee vote or mail vote, then people are less likely to do it. Yeah, I'm surprised really like nowadays that there's not like an app to vote or something yet, at least in the United States. It's like we're such a technological country and everything you think it would have been invented at this point. Well, right now Trump is saying that the whole election is rigged and that <laughs> don't trust the results unless he wins. What does it mean if the election is rigged? Rigged means to be corrupted, to be um, fixed. Well, fixed is another term actually that we use for the same <laughs> thing, but it means like somebody's controlling it, they're controlling the outcome. Exactly. So that's a pretty bold statement by him with something that's been working, I think, in most of the elections for a really long time. He was going directly against the United States Postal Service, which is actually a part of the government, right? And I think he's been sabotaging it before in the past, right? Up until now, the past few months, he's been defunding certain aspects of it and, and trying to sabotage the whole process. Pretty, pretty incredible. So on that topic right now, I think it's pretty interesting to look at the the polls. What exactly are polls, Ethan? The polls are like basically like the votes. So like when you're saying kind of like someone's behind in the polls or someone's ahead in the polls, it means that they're they're basically winning or losing. Yeah. So you have exit polls, meaning like when people leave the, the voting booth, like there'll be pollers. So they'll, they'll ask people like, who did you vote for? And then this will be basically like the information they'll use to predict who's going to win the election. But when they tally the votes, to tally is to accumulate the votes. But right now, it seems all the media is reporting that Joe Biden, the Democratic candidate, who was the vice president to Obama, that he's the front runner. What does that mean, that he's the front runner? That would mean that he's kind of ahead in the polls, wouldn't it? So it kind of looks at this stage like he could win. But again, it's, you know, it's just based on the polls. So we can't be sure because wasn't Hillary Clinton a front runner as well in the last election? And then obviously she didn't win. She had a huge lead in the in the polls beforehand. But, you know, where do those polls come from? That's another question, right? Who are they asking? And this is a very particular election, as Ethan said, like 
coronavirus, people are going to be voting via the mail. And I believe most of the people voting in the mail are, are supposed to be Democrat. And that could be very delayed. And there's a lot of question around, like Trump is actually saying right now that, not to go into this part of the conversation already, but he's saying that if he loses, he's not going to accept. I've heard that. <laughs> we might be on the point of like losing our democracy of having like an authoritarian government. So <laughs> Civil war, maybe. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he's, he's promoting like his, his supporters as well to go and like watch the ballots to like, and so basically he's promoting like a militia. What's a militia? What is a militia? Isn't it more like when it's a military state? Yeah, it's kind of like a private army, like the actual citizens who aren't like contracted by the government, like they're out there with, with guns and, and kind of for a for some agenda. I guess the scary thing there too is that in general, the Republican Party are more pro-arms. So they're pro-guns, like basically being able to, the, the freedom to own a gun and everything. So there's probably a lot more people in that party who would be able to create a militia force because they, they are gun owners than the Democrats who are more pro-gun control. So they're more in favor of controlling people's rights to, to buy and own a weapon and probably less likely to own a weapon themselves. So we, we are basically a few weeks away from the election, a few weeks out from the election. And so the election is, I think, November 10th. And I don't remember the exact day of inauguration, but there's a, a few month period. So I read an article in The Atlantic. The Atlantic is a very like liberal magazine. I thought it was a really interesting article kind of talking about Trump's statements about that he won't leave the office if the election is rigged and kind of asking what really will happen. And if the vote is even close, making the claim that it's quite possible that he will just kind of refuse and then it'll go into this this um, long court process and it's going to be really difficult to get him out of office. And part of the, the ambiguity there will be the people in the street as well, kind of the, the right-wing conservative militia. And then on the, on the left wing, there's also these movements that have been happening. The, there have been Black Lives Matter protests in Antifa, which is an organization that's supposed to be like anti-fascist, but there's been a lot of reports of violence and stuff like that. So on the, on the left, there's a, a really extreme kind of movement as well. So these two movements are kind of clashing in some sense. And so a lot of people are, are afraid that this could turn into a civil war. You also mentioned Inauguration Day there, Justin. What, what does that mean? What is that day? Inauguration Day is when the new president will be inaugurated. It means, so if, if Biden is elected, then this will be the day that, that he's actually formally sworn in as president. What do you mean by sworn in? To swear, it means that they'll go up there and they'll ask him to say some swear words. <laughs> <laughs> that would be much more entertaining than the reality, right? <laughs> yeah, to swear in, it means you, you ask the person to swear. I swear to God, I swear. I swear on the Bible, <laughs> right? So they'll take the oath to become the president. And that usually happens in January, is it? It happens a few months later. Yeah, exactly. So that those two months... If it's close, they'll be really interesting. And even if it's not close, nobody really knows what's <laughs> going to happen because it's like, this is so different. There's so much so much happening right now that it's, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen. That's really interesting because in the UK, it's pretty much immediate. So like, it's literally, if you lose the election, it's like, bye-bye, you have to leave 10, number 10 <laughs> Downing Street, off you go. And then the, the next family comes in, moves in, they can redecorate and things like that. It's pretty, pretty immediate. There's um, not really that period of a, a two or three months until the inauguration day. Yeah, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense having such like a, a gap because it's almost like if someone's coming in from the other party, maybe it's like you want to do things just to kind of screw over that other person. So it seems like they're doing a bad job when they when they first start or, or something like that. So right now the polls, again, 
they're showing Biden as a big lead, but we don't know if we can trust the polls. Last time the polls had Trump really far behind and then he ended up winning. So nobody knows what's going to happen. But going into this, like talking more about the actual politics of the situation, like what's the difference in the United States between the between Trump, his policy and somebody like Biden? Well, we already talked about like gun control, for example, that's a really big one. Another really big point is like abortion, for example, that Democrats tend to be more pro-choice. So like a, a woman's right to choose what she wants to do with her body. And Republicans are more anti-abortion. So that, you know, that shouldn't even be allowed as an option. And I think you also have a lot of things that, for example, like Republican Party tend to vote things maybe more that protect businesses, where Democrats vote for things more that are protecting workers. I think another thing is like climate change, really important. Like Trump has really pulled the United States out of the global accords on this. So right now, this is kind of bad for the whole future path of the whole world that the United States is no longer participating in this solution for this thing that, that that's happening. And in fact, even the majority of Republicans, the conservative people in the United States don't even believe that it's real. Yeah, it's really horrendous that, I don't know, you have like one of the most, um, one of the countries, you know, in the world that consumes the most and everything, and we're not really doing anything to change that. So it's definitely whatever happens in these elections, that's like one part of it that can really impact the entire world. So... <laughs> Yeah, and I think if you're one of those people that are maybe unsure whether or not it's real, you think that maybe it's not real, I would really highly recommend you watch a Netflix movie with David Attenborough, which basically talks all about this and shows very clearly how our world has changed and how if we don't make some changes, oh, it's going to be devastating. So, you know, that documentary is amazing because it shows you very clearly, it's very informative and, you know, you can see how important this topic is. What's the name of the documentary? This movie's called Life on Our Planet. Life on Our Planet on Netflix, right? Another really interesting topic about the elections, I mean, we could talk about coronavirus and, and lots of other topics <laughs> that, that are really important on, on the American agenda right now that people are talking about that are important for the election. But we all watched a documentary recently called The Social Dilemma. And this really just like blew open our minds about what's happening. Like you mentioned, the global warming is kind of this thing that's been happening for a long time, past few hundred years. But the results are kind of like a little bit more over the following decades. It definitely is something that is very urgent for us to, to act on. But there's something else that, that seems like it's happening like very quickly. And this idea of, of social networks and technology and we're all sort of in these like little filter bubbles that are creating like more and more polarization so kind of like the social fabric of the united states of pretty much any country that is on social media is kind of being disintegrated and people are becoming more and more opposed in their beliefs and there's less and less common ground less people saying that we're all humans and more people wanting to fight about every little thing that have actually like trying to find what's the truth and how can we like make a better future together for all of us so i think that's a really it's a really that one's like a really important thing to inform yourself about right now because probably 99% of people listening to this are on some sort of social network, be it Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok. And all of these, like their interests, basically what that, that documentary talks about is their interest is that you spend as much time on these social networks as possible because like that's how they make money is by, by showing you ads. So like the more time you spend on there, the more ads they can show you, the more money they can make. And kind of the bad thing that happens there is because they want you to spend a lot of time. It doesn't really 
the system isn't necessarily looking at their algorithms of these different social networks aren't really looking at, you know, is this piece of information that this person is sharing, is that true? And so something that's happened is just kind of viralized fake news because it's things that have like really interesting headlines, but it's just completely fake. And so it kind of causes people to start believing uh, certain things that aren't real. And it causes like really big political divide based on lies. Yeah, it's so dangerous and so scary to know that there is so much fake news and but people don't really know how to distinguish it from real news. And it can really have such a huge impact because it will feed people's thoughts and they will just believe these things without really considering it. And the other scary thing, the other worrying thing as well is to do with these algorithms, which is what they choose to show you is that, you know, if they see that you have one particular view, then they're just going to feed you more of that. So then you're not getting really the bigger picture. You're not seeing all the different views that there are. And so it can be very biased because you're just going to think one way without even considering, you know, you, you don't have to agree with it, but it's great to read up on and know what the opposing argument is, for example. Yeah. And they say one of the really devastating things with this in the United States, at least, is back in the day, it used to be before we had the social networks, people would learn everything about the candidates by watching the debates on television. And obviously, another thing that was really big was that there'd be ads uh, promoting one of the candidates or the other one. But basically, the networks, they had to show equal amounts of ads for each party. So they couldn't show, you know, more of just a Republican without showing also the Democrats. And this kind of would create it. So, you know, at least if you're on the fence, if you're more in the center, and you're not sure who you're going to vote for, that you'll be able to inform an opinion. But what happens here is like, you're just going to be fed the same things over and over again. So you start to think like, how, how can those people think that way? How can those people that are different from me you know, if I'm a Democrat, I might be thinking like, how can those Republicans possibly be thinking this way when like, obviously, there's all this information supporting the way that we think, but it's because they're getting the exact same thing happening to them that they're only getting information supporting what they believe. And it just kind of like gets you into this bubble, as Justin said, this filter bubble, where you can't even start to understand how the other person might be thinking and start to have some sort of empathy. The movie, The Social Dilemma, gives this metaphor of like, imagine if every time you logged onto Facebook, which is where you get your information, you're looking at your own Wiki Wikipedia page. Imagine if every time you went to <laughs> Wikipedia, you're saying you're seeing a page that's customized for you based upon what you've clicked on, all these data points, what your beliefs are to get you to stick on that page as long as possible. But everybody else is getting a different Wikipedia page. So it's almost like you have this complete movie of the world that's very different from another person and you're very sure of it. And it's exactly what you're saying. You can't find that, that common ground between other people. I also wonder if people were more aware of this, if it would encourage them to vote as well, because I remember when Brexit happened and waking up that morning and just seeing that people voted for Brexit and I was just so confused and I was like but why everything that I've seen on social media everyone is you know for staying and they weren't part of the leave campaign and how did this happen and all these sorts of things and then I realized well what I see on my feed is what you know this wants me to see and also maybe the people that I follow are like-minded people so I'm not seeing the other side and maybe if people you know did have more of a global view on things they might think oh my vote really counts and would make sure that they go out there and vote. It's interesting to hear you talk about the international perspective because what's happening in the United States really is happening in England and Europe and Spain and all these other countries every country in the world and it is very alarming. Another aspect of this, which we haven't talked so much about, but I think it's really important to take into account right now with the United States 
is sort of retreating. Like Trump is definitely retreating from the global stage. The United States has always been this kind of like leader in some sense in the world. For better or for worse, it's been a leader. Trump is definitely asking the United States to retreat, demanding that the United States retreats from the European Union and really influencing global affairs. And now what you have is like these borders being opened up inside of Facebook, right? And so you have a lot of like international actors like Russia is Russia meddled in the election in in the Brexit election. They meddled in the last election in the United States and they're meddling in this election. What does meddle mean? Meddling? What does meddling mean? It means that they somehow got involved and were being a bit crafty maybe and trying to trying to get involved and maybe sway people. I mean, there was this whole thing with Cambridge Analytica which was a British political consulting firm but worked for international clients and there was a huge data breach with Facebook. So they took people's data from Facebook um, without their consent and used it basically for advertising. And this happened with Brexit but also it happened with the last uh, American election and Facebook actually confirmed that they potentially had data for over 87 million users and nearly 71 million of those were people from the United States. And I think that's what actually led to the CEO being having to go to Congress, right, to explain how that had happened. Exactly. And it's pretty scary, too, because like even beyond that, obviously, like Democratic or Republican parties or any party in any country is able to do advertising just like any company can on these and they and they do do that. So, you know, if they have enough money, they can kind of like get out there to reach people and maybe they can spread fake news or they can, you know, use it kind of as a way to bash the uh, the other candidate, the other party. And um, something interesting, I was just having dinner with friends the other night who had also watched this documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. And they were talking about how the same thing happened here in Spain because actually uh, a very right-wing, like extreme right party here in Spain called Vox, which just has appeared in like the last couple of years. Um, they actually hired someone who worked on the Trump campaign to help them do the same thing here. So they were able to like really get a ton of support in Spain doing the same thing on social media. Yeah, that's really alarming. So basically any company, anybody with money can go on Facebook, right? And they can target people, micro-target people, they can micro-target people from different countries. They can run their campaigns, create division in societies, right? Create groups, create Facebook groups, create events. A lot of the events, I'm not going to mention which party, but in the <laughs> United States have been, have been created by Russia to create division in society, to create doubt in people's minds about to get them to not show up and, and vote. Maybe in parentheses too, talking about like the, the Russian government, not Russian individuals who might be listening to this podcast. Yeah, and the same thing, there can be a lot of things to say about the American government, history, the CIA, a lot of things that, that the United States government has done completely wrong that you'd be sick if you learned about. But definitely the world order is kind of changing as if, if Trump wins again right now, definitely the future of the EU is a little bit uncertain. That is scary. Just to say, that, I mean, they use one thing, but there's probably, you know, a handful of different topics like this, like, you know, what's going to happen with Corona, with being able to get it under control in the United States and elsewhere. And with the environment, as you had mentioned, like, I think we need someone in the United States who's starting to like put things forward now to help people get this under control, to, to help to help kind of like set a good example also for the world, just in, in maybe being more of a leader in starting to take action against this. Otherwise, we might wait until it's too late. So guys, if we had like a more optimistic message of global citizenship <laughs> to share at the end of this maybe darker podcast, what would it be? 
I would say don't think that you don't have a voice and don't think that you are absolutely helpless because, you know, if you are someone that believes in climate change or you you believe in in certain things that are being spoken spoken about, make sure that you use your right to vote because although you may think oh it's not going to have as much of a difference because the opposing party will win, it doesn't matter. Like people fought to be able to vote and you know, you have that right and it's a privilege and you should use it and also if there are certain things that you believe in try and spread your message in some sort of way have conversations with people and also try to educate yourself about a variety of things that are happening you know you can have a huge impact on the world don't think that oh what am I going to do sitting here in my living room or in my bedroom um you know you'll be surprised I think too with what with what you said getting informed and also like if you if you do choose to use facebook or or instagram or any other social network if you see any like piece of news or something that seems sensational before you like you click the share button or the like button or anything like actually do a little bit of due diligence actually go and you know search to make sure is this from like a reputable source is this true and make sure that you're not doing something like negative by passing along misinformation. And I think like also by watching um, some of the documentaries we mentioned today, and then just like, like Andrea said, whatever like small action you can take. So maybe it's just like sharing that with friends, with family and getting them to watch it. And it's kind of like helping to push forward and pay forward these more positive actions that are being taken to help make the world a better place. One thing I would say off of what you guys are saying as well is just recognize like when you watch the documentary, the social dilemma, you'll see But I'm talking about what we're talking about by listening here in this conversation, but everybody is coming from their own perspective. So when you're talking to somebody and somebody's like really passionate, you're coming from your perspective too. really passionate talking about what you're doing, but you can like breathe, calm down, listen, and even try to just recognize some of those forces behind things that are kind of causing this polarity and things. It's a really good point. And, and I think too, any, like anytime it's, it's really easy to focus on Trump, on, on Putin, on, on like maybe people out there, leaders or just other people who just are doing bad things in the world. But I think it's really important to recognize too, there's a lot of people out there, people who made these documentaries we talked about, but like you can go out and download different podcasts. You can like see the people who are, are trying to go in the other direction, who are trying to incite positive change, helping to create solutions for climate change, for, you know, addiction, for uh, the coronavirus and trying to fulfill fill your life up with these kind of influences and stuff and, and even seeing like how can you be a part of the solution instead of being a part of spreading the problem be the change you wish to see in the world right yeah did you just invent that quote it's from me yeah you can write that <laughs> put that on the internet picture <laughs> gonna pay some ads on facebook <laughs> that's a gandhi quote <laughs> so this has been a pretty deep dive, maybe a little bit heavier than our normal podcast episodes, but we hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you've found it beneficial and that you will pay it forward if you did enjoy it, share it with someone or go watch one of the documentaries we did or do something else that's going to help pay forward that positive change. So uh, as always, it's great to have you here and we look forward to seeing you next week on the Real Life English Podcast. One, two, three. Ah, yeah. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. 
First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English speaking country. Try it for free with our three part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.